For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You only know about temptation, sin, and demonic evil because you are baptized. Baptism puts you at odds with your own flesh, with this fallen and corrupt world, and with the prince of this world, the diabolical one. Thus, being baptized, you see yourself differently. You understand this world from a totally new perspective. And you recognize now evil and the works of the evil one like no one else. Baptized into Christ Jesus, you see clearly now what was before known to you only in darkness and in shadow. Being baptized, you can call sin, death, evil, and demonic possession what it is. You don't have to hide them. You can't ignore them. You see them, and now you can't unsee them. Once Jesus has opened your eyes to see what was once hidden to you, you won't be able to ignore those mortal enemies anymore. Of course, you can try, but that will lead you only into guilt, misery, despair, shame. Or you could follow Jesus into the battle fray, armed to the teeth with his word and shielded with the impenetrable armor of faith. That's where the Spirit is leading you and even driving you right down into acknowledging your sin, renouncing this world and rebuking the evil one and all his fallen host. Of course, that's why those who live outside of Christ, either in unbelief or in rejection of their baptism, they can't understand the confession of sin because they don't understand themselves as they really are. They do not see this world for what it is. And they don't think that they wrestle against powers and principalities in the heavenly places. Instead, they think of themselves like this. They might say, I'm just a little bit broken and I'm working on it. Or they see the world as kind of a morally neutral place or even a sort of heaven, a slice of it. They cannot believe that this world is held captive under the lies and machinations of chaos spurred on by the original enemy. But you now see, and you know the flesh, the world, and the, the devils for what they are. In faith, then, you arm yourself daily with God's word. Through confession of sin and faith that trusts in the forgiveness of baptism, God plunges you, that is the old Adam, again under the water daily, drowning and dying, along with all sins and evil desires. You are given to live in this world, but be not of this world anymore, rejecting the world's charms, its enticements, its lusts, and instead living dependent upon God, humble in faith, steadfast in prayer. 
And when tempted and tried by the liar of liars and the murderer from the beginning, you do not speak falsehood, but tell the truth. You don't trust your eyes or experience, but you believe the word of Jesus. And you do not put yourself subject again to the evil one, but instead reject all his works and all his ways. The Spirit drives you into this life of confession, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit leads you and even drives you to gather today and every Sabbath around Jesus and around his supper. Working through your baptism and by his word, the Spirit gives you the belief that this is exactly where you need to be today. The bells were ringing, the people were gathering, and the table is set. What else could you possibly need to do, or where, where else could you possibly need to be? Where else could you go to confront and receive the answer for your sin? Where else are you set into a right relationship with God and in love for your neighbor? Where else are your enemies exposed and their lies defeated by the valiant one, Christ? God's word is spoken, believe it. But that old Adam keeps lying to you, convincing you that things aren't quite as serious as pastor makes them out to sound. The old Adam says to you, don't worry, you can confess tomorrow, it'll be okay. He lies to you, telling you that the world, well, it can be redeemed if only you give peace a chance or whatever trite slogan you'd like. He blinds you to the spiritual reality that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. He even tells you that the old maxim, here be dragons, that's just medieval superstition, that you are never in that kind of danger, danger of relapse into sin, or to die outside of the faith, or once again to enslave yourself to King Sin. Your old Adam, the sinful flesh, has been and always will be in league with the powers of darkness, the demonic, hell-bent on chaos and destruction. You need help. <laughs> and you remember uh, Luther's Christian questions and their answers? It's a great way to prepare to receive the sacrament. It's in your hymnal. I think page 329, if I remember right. Remember this question. What should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? He gives you to confess, first, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord, and second, his own pressing need, because of which the command, encouragement, and promise, that is, of the supper, are given. But then the next question, I think, pertains to today. What should you do if you are not aware of this need? and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament. To such a person, no better advice can be given than this, Luther says. First, he should touch his body to see if he still has flesh and blood. Then, he should believe what the scriptures say of it in Galatians 5 and Romans 7. Second, he should look around to see if he's still in the world, and remember that there will be no lack of sin and trouble as the scriptures say in John 15 through 16 
and 1 John 2 and 5. And third, he will certainly have the devil also around him, who with his lying and murdering day and night will let him have no peace within or without, as the scriptures picture him in John 8, John 16, 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, 2 Timothy 2. What should you do if you're not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament? Believe what the scriptures say about these three mortal enemies, your flesh, this world, and the devil himself. And today, Jesus sets in the midst of these enemies before you a table. Even before you, who were once his enemy. But Jesus is long-suffering. He is gracious. He's merciful. His loving kindness is steadfast and never ends. That's what he's doing here today, taking you and making you his friends again, <laughs> not enemies. And he does it by forgiving you. And forgiving you, he raises you again to new life. And having new life in him, you are given to know and to trust that you have eternal life with Jesus and all of your fellow friends, the saints. All this he does for you here by his word and spirit in the supper. The Spirit has guided you, led you, or better yet, driven you here to confront your sin, to confront, confront this world, confront the devil with all his lies. Again, but not by your own reason or strength, but with Jesus. Here, his body and blood are the proof that the victory has been won and the warfare is ended. How? By the words he says. Your sin is forgiven. Your enemies are defeated. The world, the devil, even your own flesh. Believe in me. Receive forgiveness from me, says Jesus. In his holy name, amen.